0: Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Sitting
1: next to him. You're glad you're in church. Fantastic. Thank you, team. Can we thank the band this morning? Car on violin. Yes. The rest of the team, you sounded sensational. Thank you very much. You may grab your seats. Hey, I'm excited, church. Uh, Pete Walsh is just an absolute all-round legend. Uh, He's (laughs) become just a great friend of mine. And I think the biggest praise I can give him this morning is he's a great man and a great friend. Uh, I'm going to tell you a whole lot of things that he does. But outside of that, he's faithful and he's consistent. And what he says, he does. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of working on his house with him, but beyond that, I go there just to hang out with him, and he's just a, a rock, he's a rock in faith, he's a, he's a rock of consistency in life, and he's an army major, he's a police sergeant, he's a Bible college principal, he's the associate pastor at Suncoast Church, uh, and he's, but he's just an all-round great guy that when you, you meet with him, you feel better about yourself when you walk away when you you spend some time with him and he's not interested about him, he's not interested about what he's he's interested in you. Actually, that's the other thing. He and his wife run real deal relationships uh, and they they do marriage coaching. It's not marriage counseling, it's marriage coaching uh, because everybody needs a coach. The best athletes on the planet have a coach. So Melissa and I booked in for next week for about 50 sessions. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we all need help in our relationships. We all need help in, in seeing things that we don't see in ourselves. You know, there's a saying, that sometimes you don't see the forest for the trees. Uh, you're, you're right in the middle of the forest. So you don't see what's going on around you or how you're acting or reacting. These guys just help you know, I think you've got 12 or 14 different couples at any one time that you're meeting with every week with Peter and Ainsley, but they're phenomenal. So you know what, you might want some marriage coaching, some relationship coaching or whatever. And I think we'll actually get you and Ainsley here to do a weekend uh, of relationship coaching for all of us. Does that sound like a good idea? You you did it last week at Kiwana and they had a packed house and it was just really beneficial. Can you uh, stand with me this morning, put your hands together to greet Peter Walsh this morning. Thank you.
0: Thanks a lot, Christian. It's awesome to be here. Take a seat. It's actually—I was just thinking—as we were, we, were, we were talking before, Christian, we actually met four years ago last month, oh, wow. and it was when Christian was um, traveling with Phil Pringle, That's right. That's right. and had come to Suncoast to do a um, seminar. We were doing a Fiesta, which was just an in-house conference, and um, we actually sat in Chaz's office. Chaz, is that not working? Yep. Yeah, Chaz's office, and. Um, Phil started challenging us. And I, I couldn't believe it. I thought for a moment, I'm thinking, you know, this is the first time I've actually spoken to Phil. You, we all know who Phil is, don't we? Yeah. Leader of C3. And um, he's, he's asking these questions. I'm thinking, is this... I'm reading, I'm going, is he challenging my whole existence? You know, I don't remember that. But I'm sitting... He's just firing one question after another, like a machine gun. And I'm thinking, for 25 minutes, I felt like I was being grilled. But then he said to me, and Ainsley, I need you to come and preach in our church just what we've spoken about and we just happened to be down when these guys were set aside to come up here to start the Noosa church. I was here for the first meeting with Chris opened it so I got a bit of a kinship for C3 Noosa Um, but can I say that I've had great pleasure of uh, hanging out with um, particularly the um, the ugly half of your (laughs) of your of your lead team (laughs) well you know uh, I'm building, we're building a, Queens, uh, we've got two Queenslanders, um, we have moved a, one Queenslander on uh, a few years ago, we put one on a bit over a year ago now, and uh, we've got about a 12 metre gap, so we're building this big house, hopefully to do great things for couples and that sort of stuff, because uh, we've got a passion for people to just do life better, um, who wants to do it just the way it is, we want to see people just really suck the marrow out of, of Jesus, and um, I know, it sounds, yeah, suck it, you know, really get in there and take it all, you know what I mean? But um, that's our passion, and, and Christian's been my, I, I call him, he's not really my builder because I'm the one that actually tells him what we're doing, so, but I'm the labourer and builder, he's the carpenter, so, but we're having a great time, and can I just say this, you are blessed to have such a, a great couple that look after you, um, I can't speak about you so much, but Christian, he is what he says he is, and what he, because I see him when especially when things aren't going good on the, you know, because Queenslanders aren't plumb, and Christian likes things because he's an ex-cabinet um, maker, so he likes things to be very accurate and very straight. And um, our house is not plumb. I go by visual, not by, um, by the level. And, uh, <laughs> and he has to put up with me as well and all my demands, and more importantly, my wife uh, and her demands. And uh, he's just faithful, uh, he loves the house of God and he particularly, all oh, we, we talk about, it's amazing when you get two pastors together trying to work and you get into the word of God or, or just church and we just start talking and hours pass, don't they, almost. <laughs> but it's awesome. But we're going to go and uh, we're going to talk about today no more manna. And if you'd like to, talk to turn to Joshua 5 and we're just going to read here in verse 11. And they ate of the produce of the land the day after Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on that very day, then the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten of the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate of the fruit of the food of the land of Canaan that year. The manna ceased. And we often don't look at what that manna really was about. So, just a bit of a recap the promised land, Abraham walked through. And God promised him, this is probably about 693 years beforehand, uh, he had walked through the land and he said, I will give this to your descendants. As far as you go that way, that way, that way, and that way, it's yours for your descendants. This promise was also then given to Isaac, his son, to Jacob, his son, and to Joseph. 400 years later, Moses leads the people out of Israel, uh, out of Egypt, sorry, and in towards the promised land. This was a promise that God had given, and he was faithful to that promise, that Abraham would become the father of many nations, that he would grow, his family would grow to be something substantial, and that they would have a home. The children of Israel had spent 400 years in, in Egypt, and some people think that that was what was God thinking um, at that time, but I tend to think that they went in as a family of 70, and they came out a nation of millions yeah. in 400 years. The interesting thing is that you, you think about it, 70 people could not have taken over the promised land. Yeah. They needed to be a nation. Yeah. Wow. They put him in Israel, uh, Egypt, sorry, Egypt, which was a very much an apartheid country. Apartheid country means we don't mix. So therefore the children of Israel came and were given a piece of land in Egypt to flourish and to grow and that they were never allowed to intermarry with the Egyptians. They were completely separated. They had a function for the Egyptians, but they were never meant to be mixed with the Egyptians. This allowed them to be protected by the Egyptians, to be, to be fed, to be housed, to be looked after, so that they could grow in their faith. So that when they came out of Egypt, and getting the children out of Egypt was, physically was easy, but getting Egypt out of Israel was very difficult. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we get the Egypt of our life out of us? Because at the end of the day, that's what holds us back. What held the Israelis back is that fact, and that single fact is that they got so comfortable with where they were meant to be transitioning through to go to the Promised Land, they favoured in the end. Now, just think about this. If I went down to the um, Nusa River and I parted it, and we were able to walk across dry ground, okay, how much faith would you guys have? Would you have amazing faith? Amazing faith? You know, like, I always think, you know, I'm a a Trekkie, but I'm also a Doctor Who fan, and I'd love to have my own TARDIS and be able to go back to key points in history and just check it out. And one of the key points would have been the parting of the Red Sea, because to me, that was pretty impressive. Because the actual fact is, to go to the Promised Land, the children of Israel, the quickest route was not through the Red Sea. They could have gone around the Red Sea, but I think what God's plan was, was they had to have something that was amazing that separated them physically from their old life, which was going through the Red Sea. Because that's pretty impressive. Once the Red Sea closes, they weren't aware that they could go around, right? But God, if you have a look at it, the shortest journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, is missing the Red Sea completely. And so what, Jesus, what God was doing here was showing us that he wanted to separate our past from our present, our future, our present and our future, and to set us up for what his plan really is for us and that is to live, not just live, but live divinely and to have that in our life and, and, and passions in our life. We see here that um, straight after the Red Sea had opened up, three odd million people walked through, About, it was 600,000 men back then they counted by numbers of men that didn't count ladies, unfortunately, or children. So we can assume that every man had at least one wife, had a few kids. So probably two to three thousand people, a million people, sorry, walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, closed up on 600 chariots, singing praises the next day. But what happens then? You see this amazing thing, and we think about it, we would be impressed. Yeah, but the children of Israel weren't that impressed, really. Amazed, yes, but now I'm hungry. Now I'm thirsty. God, you brought us out here to die. What logic do we have as humanity when we look at the Red Sea parting that we're not going to think that God's going to provide for us? Good, but Israel, they turned around and went, no, we're going to die here because you've dragged us out. We can't eat the gherkins and the whatever they had uh, in Egypt. We're going to die out here. So he, one day they walked out and there was this white stuff on the ground And they said, manna. And all manna really means is, what is it? That's the Hebrew word for what is it? So you walk out and go, what is it? (laughs) Well, manna. So that's where the manna comes. What is it? So they start eating it. And so obviously, this manna was designed by God to feed them. He said, this will feed you from the Red Sea to the promised land. That was the promise he gave. It was only meant to be for a couple of months was only, they were supposed to be in the promised land within a couple of months of parting the Red Sea. But we see from scripture it was 40 years later. And what we're going to talk about today is why did it take 40 years for them to get to the promised land? And what's preventing us from walking into the promised land that Christ has given us? Because we all have a promised land to enter into. We can either be wilderness dwellers or we can be in the promised land. For example, and I see this is in Christ as well. Christ has died for us, which is a bit like the wilderness. Okay? He sustains us. He gives us justification by faith. But it's his resurrection, and the power of his resurrection is, which is what he's called us to be living in. The cross has its purpose. He died for us as a saviour, but he's more than just a saviour to us. He is everything to us. If we have a look at... Um, Just got to flick through my notes. God's original plan for the children of Israel was about a hundred-day journey from the, Egypt to the Promised Land was about four hundred uh, kilometres. So it was just a quick journey across some desert into the Promised Land. <coughs> Moses is up in the getting the Ten Commandments, and for hundred of those, forty of those days, sorry, hundred days, forty of them were him communing with God. So they built a golden calf start worshipping what they had been linked to. And remember, I often wondered, where did they get this golden calf from? Because it just really confused me why you'd worship a golden calf. But I found out that in Egypt, one of the greatest gods there was the bull. So when they thought Moses was dead, they went back to what they knew, what they had linked to, what they had seen in their life, in their past. And they anchored themselves to the bull. So they made themselves a golden calf. Even then, God's not angry. Well, he's angry, you know, but he doesn't wipe them off the face of the earth. He still loves them because he's faithful to the promise he gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The thing is, what we've got to remember is that Jesus has given us an equal promise that if you follow me all the days of your life, I will bring you to the glory of God. That's the promise he gives us, that we will be with God at the end. You know what I mean? And that's the promise he gives us. And if we don't hold on to that promise, and if we, if we just look at what is my past and how it defines me, and because I can tell you now, I live at a policeman. I was working last night, and um, I had four very interesting jobs, right? And I can tell you now, when I think about the children of Israel, I see the modern church. The church is a Jesus' plan A for the saving of the world he doesn't have a plan b see manna was god's plan a for the children of israel to sustain them to the promised land it wasn't for them to walk around the wilderness for 40 years but also for the church it's not for us to be cross dwellers as i call them uh, or campers at the cross but to live in the power of the resurrection of jesus christ to be a light to a beacon on a hill as it says, we are to be the light to our world. I can tell you now that as 13 years as a policeman, the world is getting darker. I cannot believe how sad the world has become. I was, I've got a first year at the moment who I'm teaching. He's, he's in his third week. And I can tell you, the world that I entered as a policeman 13 years ago has got a lot worse today. And I think in another decade, my goodness, something has to change. And that change can only be the church the more the church can be that beacon not of judgment and arrogance and 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 condemnation but just be that beacon of love of community then i can tell you we can take this world for christ here at noosa for example this church right here why do we gather together it's an interesting concept isn't it why do we come to church every sunday 10 o'clock why do we come you know is it because i've got a need that needs to be met like manna from heaven it's about me being needful me getting my needs met coming to church to get my needs met or is it about something greater than ourselves and I believe it's something greater than ourselves because if church is just purely about you getting your fix right we're really living in a time of manna the reason when manna fell God said to Moses I will test the people so that they may know my. I will know if they'll follow my laws Interesting thing about manna was this, it taught some disciplines, it came up in the dew in the morning, so you had to get up early to get it, if you slept in it was all gone, so you went hungry that day, so you had to be up early and timely, it also meant that you actually had to bend down to pick it up, so it brought some humility to these people as they dwelled on the ground to pick it up, but it was also to remind them that God was their provider that it wasn't anything that they did that they got this manner, right? It's because he was faithful to his promises. But unfortunately, the children of Israel began to just demand it. It became an expectation. What was once an amazing event has now become, I demand it. It's my right. Last night, I must have heard that at least six times. I have rights. And I say, yeah, but you also have responsibilities. You know what I mean? Every right has a responsibility. And he goes, but I have rights to have a party at my house and I can be as loud as I like. And I said, yes, you can. However, when your neighbours don't like that, they also have a right not to have to listen to your music. (laughs) But I bought this house and I go, "Yeah, yeah, we're going over the same ground. But at the end of the day, turn it all off. If you turn it back on, I'll arrest you. But you know, people just want to demand what they believe is theirs. And there's not this sense of, what is my purpose here today? And I can tell you, in my life, I've been a Christian all my... Yeah, I've been a Christian all my life, but I've been a follower of Jesus for the last 11. Bit of a difference. I grew up in a church. I was a very... I'm a Collingwood supporter. Don't talk to me about yesterday. (laughs) I'm very depressed, okay? But last week was better. Um, But anyway, Collingwood's black and white, and that's what I lived my life. I was a very black and white person. You're either good or bad, you're either uh, on the right track or the wrong track, and as a Christian, I was extremely judgmental, I was extremely arrogant, and uh, I had my own belief system, and if you didn't follow that, um, then you were on your way to hell, you were preaching a lesser gospel, you were just, you know, I was more Christian than you, that whole, yeah, (laughs) and I was talking about this last week, and it was really, you know, because, Could you imagine growing up in a church where the woman had to submit to the husband, uh, just had to do what she was told, kids had to be silent, how that really works for a flourishing marriage? Yeah, especially in the 21st century. Anyway, uh, it was about um, 11 years ago, or it was 11 years ago last October, our marriage went south. And it was the first time I actually had to wake up to myself, because up until then I thought I had it all sorted. I, had, I was just sustaining the same thing day in, day out. I was going to church, and I'd go to church twice on Sunday, on Wednesday, on Friday, prayer meeting Tuesday, and ran the youth group on Saturday. So that's me, church, okay? So the only nights we had off were Monday and Wednesday. Every other day was... was uh, sorry, Mondays and Thursdays. Every other day was booked out. That was, for me, church. But it was based on function, not relational. It was based on law, not grace. So Ainsley decides that she's had enough of me. And look, to be honest, I don't like that Peter. He was a bit of a dropkick, really. Um, But I found myself being really challenged by the fact that Ainsley wanted to divorce me. Because I didn't sign up for a divorce. I hadn't seen that in my picture. If you had to ask me the day before she told me, I would have told you that we were happily married because to me, I was happily married. I was uh, totally unaware and detached from how she was. I anchored to my past, which was based in anger and judgment and and, uh, just downright just annoying, okay? And for a few months, the marriage continued to just plummet downwards. It wasn't until the 7th of February, 2004, it was a Monday, sitting at, just finished at the old church, it wasn't some case, so just I was in an old, an, an old fundamental movement, and I had called out to Jesus like I had never called out before, because to me, this was not my life, and I had an encounter with Jesus that was so amazing, it spun my head, I realised then I couldn't stay where I was, I had to leave. So I rang the pastor up and said, I'm not coming back. Because to me, what I had learned was contrary to everything I had been taught about the grace and love of God, but what he wanted for my life. Ainsley was there when I'm having this uh, moment, and she's talking to me, but I can't remember anything she was saying, because I had this just a download that took me a little while to unravel. I call that my... Damascus Road experience, but I also call it my crossing the Jordan, moving from the desert of my life to the promised land of my life. But the interesting thing about that is, that moment, 11 years ago, when I crossed over, did I have it all together? No, I'd only just had an experience, I had made a decision, I did not want to stay in the desert anymore of my life, I wanted more for my life. But I wanted not more for my life that made me have a better house or a better car or a better job. I just wanted more for my life to have relevance with Jesus Christ. And so therefore, what I looked at was I sat there and I went, man, I don't know what this means. So we rock up at Suncoast. The only reason why we picked Suncoast was Ainsley just got a job working at Suncoast College at the school. Rocked up at Suncoast and then we went over to what used to be Uh, Kings, now Calvary. We felt more at home at Suncoast. That's the only reason why we picked it. I thought they were a bunch of wackos, to be honest. Because I was very conservative. No hands up in the air. None of us drank. Um, Not saying anything about drinking, but um, none of us drank. Uh, No one showed any emotion in church, God forbid. Um, And so when I walked into Suncoast and I see all these people just passionately loving Jesus, I just went, are you serious? But the word that I got from God was... Um, from their fruits you shall know them and 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 then the next thing I got from him was be faithful in the small things because I'd always been growing up in the house of God I was detached now here I am a broken man my wife still wants to divorce me I've had this massive revelation Um, I'm trying to teach her carefully because I'd been lecturing her before about you know you need to forgive me you need to sort yourself out you're not a Christian woman all that sort of stuff I've moved to how can I help you move out I'm actually helping her move out. I'm actually finding her a home to move to. I'm actually funding it all to make her move into a new home. Um, this is what's happening as I'm getting this, getting, doing my Jordan experience. So when I walked across the Jordan, I wasn't all complete. I wasn't all happy. Things weren't going all great. But to me, it was a moment when I said, no longer will I stand in the desert eating manna. I want to eat the fruit of the promised land. The thing about the manna is it fell every day. It sustained them. Yeah. It didn't prosper them. And that's the difference. I didn't want to be sustained anymore. I wanted to prosper. I didn't know what that looked like. So there I am. I cross over. And the next Saturday, they've got a Valentine's Day ball. So the whole family rocks up, and we just start packing, stacking chairs and moving tables, got knitted into the church, joined a connect group, um, we, whenever they wanted volunteers, we just turned up because I never wanted to stand again, and I was an elder in my old church, and, and, and I wouldn 't call myself a preacher. I was a lecturer of my old church, but I swore that I would never ever stand again in leadership in a church where I preached something that was not true, and so for me, I was happy just to be there every Sunday and whatever it needed to be done, just done and just maintain being faithful in the small things. <laughs> I think the good thing about Jesus is if you're faithful in the small things, he will give you the greater things. You know what I mean? And I say this not as a, as a uh, to, to, to puff me up, I'm just to so say the journey that I've been on and Ainsley's been on is that Ainsley would sit there when she finally made a decision that she wasn't going to divorce me and wanted to work on the marriage. And I can be honest, that took a while, you know. I, I, I was there. You know, I was fixed. I'd had my revelation of Jesus. I was a much loving person. Uh, I'm a very forgiving guy now. I have no judgment. People tell me things, and I, I don't even batter an eyelid now. It's, it's like, how can we move you from where you are to where you need to be? That's my, that's my motivation. It's not about where you've been, it's where you're going. You know what I mean? And so I sit there, and I go, and I sit there, and I look at it, and I go... Um, just helping Ainsley come to the revelation that she needed to, she had to go on her own journey and just having the love to support her through that I would always say to her, hun, it won't always be this way you won't always feel this way, one day we will stand on platforms and we will talk about what we've been through and it will be to the glory of God she said never, ever are we going to ever, ever talk about this, to anybody this is private and personal and we're not, No, I I I refute that. (laughs) Get behind me. (laughs) Well, she was like that. But anyway, I'd say it won't always be like this because I saw a vision of our life that God, Christ, had given us is that through our ashes, beauty would rise. Through our valley of dry bones, we would raise an army, not just for my glory, and it wasn't for my glory, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. So an interesting reason I say about Phil is that Phil saw something in us that we hadn't even seen in ourselves. The reason why we call it Real Deal Relationships is because Phil named it. He didn't realize he named it. But Phil, when he put us, he said, these guys are the real deal. And so then we said, we'll just call it Real Deal Relationships. And it was that, because he saw something in us that we hadn't seen. We were just faithful in the church. We'd just taken over as becoming pastors. Just before I became a pastor, actually, I decided to go to Bible college because I didn't know God gave me a word, get prepared. It's a bit like what Christian was saying about seasons. You know, a farmer doesn't get to winter and go, oh my goodness, it's winter, the world's ending. He goes, no, in winter I plough. In winter I prepare. In winter I get ready to sow. He doesn't freak out because he just knows that it's a season. So for me, I realised that my winter was just a time of preparation. So I I went and did Bible college. And um, it was interesting, because I'd done Bible college, I could then, when our principal resigned, I automatically stepped into the role. I was prepared previously to take on a future role that I had no knowledge of, neither did I have any, they hadn't even been thinking about it. You know, I never thought myself as being the Bible college principal, but I can tell you every Monday when I go to Bible college and every Thursday night, even though I'm, you know, they're my days off uh, from police, I love preaching and teaching at Bible college and seeing young people and old people's lives moving towards ministry and just impacting the world that way. For me, I look at it, and I say, we um, we started um, just been looking after young couples and young families, and we're just faithful to it, and that's when we met Phil. But from then, we started real deal relationships, and I can tell you now that when you walk into the promised land, this is the one thing Jesus says, or God says will happen: stretch your tents, stretch the border of your tent. You will grow your capacity. You will grow in your reward. Not because you get a reward for the sake of reward, but because you're building a capacity and developing what Christ has got in you, you have more effect, you have more influence, and you have more abundance. That's what he promises us. Whereas in the manna, their tents never grew. They just walked out, grabbed their manna. I don't know what they did for the rest of the day, to be honest. And they ate their manna, walked outside and went, yep, the cloud's moving, time to pack up. Pack up the tent and then walk away Uh, And just follow God that way. We can do that. But all we're ever going to do is be manna collectors. But when they walked into the promised land, first they got circumcised. Pretty negative experience. But sometimes the the cutting way of our flesh hurts. It causes us to be uncomfortable. It's interesting. He circumcised them just before he goes around to take Jericho. Not a really good move when you've got guys who are all circumcised having to ready to go and take on a city. But it wasn't in, it wasn't in their ability. It was in their faithfulness that God needed them to walk around Jericho. Okay, He then, he then had a, a Passover meal and then the next day they never had manna again. Can I tell you this though? When you step into the promised land though, is it going to be easy? No. These guys had to still walk. They actually had to do more in the in the promised land because they didn't have cities, they didn't have crops, they had to go and secure those. But because they were faithful to the call of God, God went before them. God opened up those doors. Can I make this uh, a thing? Sometime you're going to have to make a decision. Am I in the wilderness or am I living in the promised land? Am I living in, in sustainment or am I living in the provision of God for his destined purpose for me. Ainsley and I have two things that we say. The first one is we never want to be anywhere God doesn't want us to be. And our life, the second one is that our life is always interruptible for the cause of Christ. Doesn't matter what it is, if it's the cause of Christ, our life is always interruptible. Because to me, we live by the fact is that sometimes we focus on what's the most urgent thing in our life and not the most important. They can be two completely different things. Sometimes the most urgent consumes us, but it's the least important things of our life. When we have the most important thing in our life is how do we bring glory to Christ? And we can do that simply. Simple things such as... Simple things such as going to church on Sunday. What do your neighbours think as you get dressed up? Putting on your thongs? (laughs) I'm wearing my new RM William boots, which I got provided by the army for free. So there you go. But but, yeah, good vision. But the thing is, by just being consistent in our life, in the things that Christ has called us to do, the people who watch us, they want to know more about us. I see a world where people have no consistency, they have no direction, they have no light. Families who do not know how to raise their children teenagers who had just lost their identity and have no idea of where to go. I went from one house of totally out of control teenagers at a teenage party and I went to where my son and daughter were just to show my new partner um, how life is different and I knew that there was a house party of Christians and I said to him, I said, did you see the difference? And he said, yeah, what was that? that's amazing and I go, yeah, one has no understanding of their identity, and another knows exactly where they, they are. And that is what the church is about. We can move into the promised land of this life, and we can actually go into our community as a shining light that shines so bright in contrast to what the world has. We're not a, counter, sorry, we're not a contrasting culture, we're a counterculture. Okay? We're not con- contrasting it, which is attacking, we're just counter. We're just, we're just standing over here saying... Look at Jesus. You can have this as well. And we become so inviting and so so um, engaging to people that they really want to know more about us. But it's going to take Christians moving out of the wilderness of manna wow. into the promised land of promise. In final, because I know I've got to wrap up, real deal relationships. Okay, I'm up, I'm up at the army just recently and I don't know where God has got a plan for me and Ainsley? We have no idea. We just go with what Christ. said. Ainsley hears more about things than I do because she's the more spiritual, I think. <laughs> but the bottom line is, uh, I'm up there and I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to engage a conversation with a regular army major, right? Because I've just done a, a three-week um, uh, trip up to uh, Townsville with uh, army exercise, and I just tried to touch people so that not physically, but you know because that'd be inappropriate, but you know, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, but to just, my whole life is, how can I bring Jesus to this person's life? Okay, what's my avenue? So she starts talking to me, and, um, and, and she's, um, she has a different lifestyle to the one I would, I would recommend, and, and we're just talking, right? And she goes, so you're a minister? Because she asked me about being a policeman, about domestic violence, and I started talking to her about that, and we just engaged in a conversation, this week, and so I started talking to her and I just started talking about the passion I have to see couples do life better, how they can do marriage better, how, they can just do, how families can do relationship better. She said, Peter, can I ask you something? We've just been commissioned by the Chief of Army for three brigade in Townsville to trial an anti, a, 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 a courses, series of courses to reduce the incidences of soldiers committing acts of domestic violence. This is what we have. And I said, yeah, she says, but I think there's something missing. I said, yeah, there is something missing, and that's this. So I explained that to her. She goes, what would that look like? And I said, well, I could do it in a one-day course. And see so said, what happens? So she said, can you, can you draft a course for us? So this week, we're now going into the funding process where Real Deal Relationships will be hopefully delivering relationship training and coaching to 3 Brigade, if it works in 3 Brigade, it could go army-wide to 50,000 soldiers. Come on. Can I tell you that when I crossed the Jordan, wow. I did not expect that down the road. Now, where does it take us from here? Ainsley and I have no idea. We're actually, I'm, I'm actually madly trying to become a schoolteacher. Oh <laughs> yeah, so I can have a part-time job, so I can spend more time doing what Christ has called me to be. I don't want to leave the police force, but I feel the time has come that I can't maintain a full-time job. Um, so I need something else. And I looked at everything else, and teaching is one of those things I enjoy doing. But I'm preparing myself for what's next, and I don't even know what next is. I just know that Christ has got something for us. But you know the thing about me and Ainsley is, we're pretty average people. Really, to be honest. I remember when I was first asked to step up in church, could I run a connect group every fortnight? And my answer to the pastor was, I don't know if I have the time for that. I can't believe it. You know, now I'm an associate pastor. I, I run the Bible college. I walk, work full-time. I do army reserve. Uh, I do real-deal relationships. We do marriage coaching. And I have more time than I had then. Wow. Okay? My question is, could you imagine if every, every single person lived in the true destiny of Jesus Christ has for them? Right? Could you imagine the world could you imagine the power of a church united together every Sunday showing the love of Jesus not just on Sunday but throughout the week how that would transform Noosa and I can tell you Noosa needs more help than probably Nairobi because we have so much that is blinding people to Jesus Christ if that's my encouragement for you today Let's not have manner anymore, but let's stand for what Christ has for us today. If you're new here today, we're just going to hand it over to Christian. Come next week because he'll fix up everything that I've done wrong this week. <laughs> hey, come on. Let's thank Pete this morning. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.